something to someone to the time it became fulfilled, sometimes the answers are in decades, sometimes in centuries. Of course, the questions we had were mostly some days, some seconds, some minutes. But we get frustrated, I get frustrated, when God doesn't cooperate like my garage door opener, or when he doesn't operate as fast as McDonald's, or when he's actually slower than the IRS. And why, why can't God increase his wait time effectiveness? Why can't Mitch Daniels change that? Why can't Ray Kroc or whoever heads up McDonald's change that? Should God go to some kind of efficiency experts because something's not working in my paradigm about why God's wait time increases? All right? So we're talking about wait time, and, I, and just when I said that, someone, I heard a couple of people say, I'm still waiting, still waiting, still waiting. And whether it's a promise God's given you personally about something in your life you believe is from God, or just the general promises of God about abundance of life and of joy and of peace, some of us are still waiting, and sometimes the things that happen in those wait periods is when we a lot of times goof up or take matters in our own hands and start doing things that cause us and others a lot of hardship and pain. So what we've been doing, we started last week, we're going to do this for a period of time during the month of January and February. One of the things that Exodus, we say, is our, our strategy to become the kind of people God wants to be is we're going to stretch beyond comfort. So the series we're doing now is to call it, we're calling it Stretching Way Beyond Comfort. Because uh, in the statement of have you taken a leap of faith lately, because there's times where any kind of stretch of faith from God throughout the men and women of the Bible, and also confirmed by men and women throughout history who have followed Jesus, also confirmed by a lot of us who are followers of Jesus, God's asked you to take a step, a leap of faith, so to speak, Go to the next slide. We had this last week from Indiana Jones. This leap of faith from one side of the bridge to the other side of the cliff, the other side of the cliff, where once you leave, you can't go back. And if you don't make it, you might die. And those kind of steps, whether it's a step God's asked you to take financially, a step career-wise, a step away from something relationally. We talked about Abraham last week, that God was saying, Abraham, you need to leave behind some things and go this way. And it's, it's like jumping from cliff to cliff or letting go of one trapeze, trapeze waiting for the next one. And it's that time in between that's really kind of frustrating. And it's that time where you take the step and you're hoping that something shows up under your foot like Indiana Jones did, but you haven't seen it. It's like I said last week, we can't, no fair thinking uh, in flash forwards. In other words, we know the stories of the Bible. We know when Abraham took a step, God we know the end of the story God provided. Abraham didn't see that when he first was asked to take the step. We know that when Moses or Gideon or all kinds of people throughout the Bible were asked to take these incredible, seemingly irrational steps of faith, we know how the story ends. They didn't know that at the moment they were asked to take that step. We don't know how the story ends when the moment God asks you to take some step. When God's stirring, bubbling something in you, of leaving behind a pattern of living, a pattern of living financially, a pattern of living relationally, and you're going to take that step, all right? So the question again is, have you taken a leap of faith lately? Now here, next one. Just a reminder, that we're doing Abraham again this week, and we'll be Abraham next week, then we're going to go to Moses and Gideon and some others in terms of the whole leap of faith stretching way beyond comfort. <clears throat> reminder, too, that these people we read about in the Bible... They were ordinary people that God then asked to challenge them 
and they become now the kind of superheroes of the Bible, but they weren't born superheroes. They were born just like you and me, ordinary people. The Bible is not a collection of superhero stories that we can just look at and say, well, I'll never be like that. The Bible is a collection of accounts of average, ordinary men and women, and even in some cases, girls and boys, who God asked to take a real step of faith, a stretch of faith, and they did something, they responded to God, and then incredible blessing for them and others happened, all right? So uh, we did this last week. Lord, God promised Abraham. Now, just keep in mind, upper right, keep, keep track of that upper, upper, upper right. Abraham was 75 years old when this first stretch came from him. God says to Abraham, leave your country, leave your relatives, leave your father's family, and go to the land I will show you. I'll make you to a great nation. All right, this time Abraham had no children, 75 years old, no children. I will bless you and make you famous. You'll be a blessing to others. That's where we get the blessed to be a blessing for Exodus. We're going to be a blessing to others. Bless those who bless you. Curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed. And the book of Hebrews tells us later he didn't, he didn't know where he was going. He just knew God. All right. So the step number one of Abraham, stretch number one when he was 75, was I'm taking this step, leaving behind, going to a new country, and I'm going to be father of nations. I don't have any kids right now, but I'm taking this step having confidence that God's in this, all right? Okay, next one. Genesis 15, skip ahead, three chapters. We don't know exactly how old it was at this point, but he's obviously it's later. All the Bible says it's sometime later. The Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said, don't be afraid. And then he says, I'm going I'm to be your guardian. I'll protect you. And Abraham replies, as you and I might reply, well, sovereign Lord, what, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? You told me I'd be a father of a nation. I don't have a son. Did you give me no children? Eliezer of Damascus, the servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. That was the custom then. If you didn't have a son, child, then your head servant would be the heir. So Abraham in his mind is thinking, okay, I... I guess maybe that's God's plan. I guess this is your plan. God, Eleazar, I guess that might be how you flesh out this me being the father of nations and all these descendants. So I'm guessing, God, that must be what you're thinking. And if you're like me, I'm, I'm, we're all good at that. We sense God telling us to do something, and we can't. it's not happening right away. So we start guessing what God might be up to. And usually our guesses are wrong. <laughs> but at least Abraham's guessing, all right? Eleazar will my, inherit my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. And, you know, I, he may have a little bit of a complaining spirit to God, but you kind of sense, he's like, okay, God, I guess you've given me not my own, so it must be Eleazar. I'll have confidence in that. The Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir. You will have a son of your own who will be your heir. All right, so God tells him, no, no, this promise I gave you when you were 75 I'm not talking about Eleazar. That is not the option. Even though you think it might be, you're going to have a son of your own. All right, now, fast forward. Next chapter. Now he's 85, 10 years after the promise. Still waiting. Garage door still hasn't opened all the way. He's still in the driveway waiting to get in. Wondering. But he's took this step 10 years ago based on all this promise, all right? Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But Abraham's thinking, but God told me that the, I would have my own son. God told me I'd have my own son. God told me I'd have my own son. She had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. 
was, it's not as shockingly immoral at that time as it seems now because it was kind of a custom that often the, if you didn't have an heir through your own wife, you would also often do it through a servant or a mistress or something like that. Um, so, you know, the morality of that, put that aside for a while because it's a, it was a kind of a different cultural norm and not saying it's right or wrong, but just different. So um, in that case, we don't know exactly because the guy doesn't say on this. Um, perhaps, and Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as his wife. And then a few verses later, we read that Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named him Ishmael. All right, so option A was Eleazar, Abraham thought. So not, nope, get the guy says, no, that's not it. You're going to have your own son. So now Abram, through his wife's encouragement and his agreement, goes to what they thought was plan B, because, you know, sometimes God needs our help in accomplishing what he wants to do especially when we're kind of wondering if he's being inactive or sleeping or not paying attention. I mean, this is 10 years we're talking about. Come on, God. I thought... All right. So now it's Ishmael. Ishmael's the son of the promise. He's my son, Abraham said. That's what God promised. He's my son. So this now, I thank God, thank, God, you can thank me now for helping you keep your promise to me. Here we go. All right. Now, 99 years old, 14 years later, Ishmael is 13-ish, 14 years old. Abraham and Sarah have been living the last 13 or 14 years, probably with a sense of this must be what God meant, Ishmael. And if you read the rest of the story that I didn't include up here, Hagar and Sarah had a horrible relationship because Hagar started kind of taunting Sarah, kind of like, I have a son, you don't. That was kind of a source of shame in that culture. So it wasn't a happy family. There was a lot of tension because Sarah and Abraham decided to take matters in their own hand to help God out. But, so, but Abraham was 75. It's 24 years later. Again, we're talking decades later. God says to Abraham, regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. And I will bless her and give you a son from her. All right, God said, it's going to be your son. Now he's saying 14 years later, and Abraham's probably wishing, I wish you'd have told me this 14 years ago, God. And we don't know why God tells us things in certain time increments. We don't know. We wish he would have, when Abraham was 75, why didn't God just lay out the plan? Boom, 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 boom. Even if God would have told him then, hey, you'll have a son, but it'll be 24 years to so just wait. I can deal with that. But if there's no timeline then God frustrates us, doesn't he? Because we're trying to figure out, okay, God, what? if you would have just told Abraham, he might not have made all these missteps. But God's more concerned about our faith and our confidence and walking with him and responding to him, all right? Yes, I will bless her richly and she will become the mother of many nations. King of nations will be among her descendants. Kings of nations. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How can I become a father at age 100? God, I know this is what you're saying, but you, do you understand how irrational this seems to me? And how could Sarah have a baby when she is 90 years old? And again, if you read more of the story from the Bible, Sarah laughs. Sarah's kind of, they're almost in a scoffing way. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to have a baby now. I mean, where was God 24 years ago when uh, I could have maybe a little, more op, you know, a little more possibility then on the statistical charts? But now we're seeing 24 years average wait time for Abraham at least for the promise coming true all right now next slide here one of the things we talk a lot about at Exodus 
if I can get my signs together here, is that we want to be people, if I get these in the right order, who hear and respond to God, all right? Hear and respond. Next, we will look about what happens sometimes between the hearing and responding, because we don't always, it's not like I always hear, and then 10 seconds later, I do exactly what God tells me. Sometimes we kind of fudge and try to figure out. But in this case, God asked Abraham to leave his country and go, and Abraham did. We don't know how long the time was, but the Bible lets us think that it's a pretty quick decision. So these things were kind of pretty close. Make sure I got here and respond in the right order. I'm not doing this so people don't get confused. All right. All right, so we got this. Uh, come here for a second. You just, just come here for a stand. Hold that in the right order. If you mess it up, I'll be upset. So, All right, hear and respond. All right, now, so we hear and respond, and then we think, I think, I want, you want, we all desire, hear and respond, then reward. You know, can't, you know sh- it should be right here, right? But, what, but instead, the sign that drop, God drops in is this four-letter word that ends in a T that we all hate, and it's this. Okay, it's hear and respond, and then it's like God's walking along like this, and we're like, wait a minute, why can't I, what? He's like, no, wait. Wait, and we're like, wait. But I heard and responded, God. I mean, do I get any points for that? Can you give me something? And, and over and over in the Bible, it's like God holds this sign up, not, and, and we don't know what to do with that. And Abraham made some missteps along the way because he heard, he responded. And actually, the New Testament, they, 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 give, they give Abraham some significant Hall of Fame votes just for that. So don't, don't underestimate the responsibility of you hearing responding to God. But then it seems like Abraham got a ton more votes in the Hall of Fame voting. Not that God's voting, but you know what I'm saying. Because he, even though it didn't make any sense... He was still willing to trust God with a son of his own, Isaac. And so as you think about, or God maybe challenge you to some kind of leap of faith, some hear and respond, money relationships, maybe some of you, your hear and respond is simply, you haven't ever taken that first step of saying, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've kind of toyed with it, never really acknowledged it, never told anybody, never made a any kind of proclamation about it and hear and respond or maybe you just have and you're like ah my life didn't change overnight I thought it was supposed to like all my problems go away and all my checkbook balances get back in the black again and, and, then, and then God kind of says no no you gotta wait wait and we wait I don't want to forget about you over here so you can sit down and thank you very much so we wait but we th- would like to see God here respond again the why can't God change the wait time but in this case, he doesn't. And there's, you know, the Bible says that God always says, my ways are not your ways. And how you think life should be is not the way it is. And so the question from last week, that'll be a question we ask every week for a while now, is is there a leap of faith that God is asking you to take? All right? Maybe that leap is, like I said, the leap of being, just expressing yourself as a follower of Jesus for the first time. Maybe it's a leap of your finances. Maybe it's a leap of a career change, a job switch, a conversation that you've been needed to have with your husband, wife, father, mother, son, daughter, that you just say, well, if I have that, it's going to be awkward because once we start talking about that, things will never be the same again. And that's the point. Is there something that God's asked you to take? But the question that comes more from the day is this next one. Have you taken a leap of faith in the past and you're now losing hope? 
Maybe it's just simply you're trying to figure out, I thought if I followed Jesus, if I did that and I was a good person, then why hasn't my life become easier? And you're kind of wondering whether that was even a good decision in the first place, to express yourself for a follower of Jesus. And you know, and I know, people, and maybe some of you may be here today, who are wavering on reneging on that decision. Ah, I'm, I'm done with that. Didn't work. I heard and responded to the Jesus I call, you know, as a follower, but life's not easy or comfy or whatever. So I'm going to, you know, because what, again, it's during that time of waiting that we usually make our biggest missteps and our misassumptions, and we love to take matters into our own hand and try to help God out because we're not sure if God really can do it or maybe he's forgotten about it. Maybe some of you feel like God's given you a promise about something, and you took steps toward that promise, and it just doesn't seem like it's happening. And you're like, maybe I misunderstood God. Maybe you didn't. And maybe you didn't, but there's something about the waiting period that is like the incredible crucible of spiritual growth because you learn to have confidence that God is faithful. But there's a timeline he has that he's not just withholding for the sake of withholding. It's not like when I tell my six-year-old son, no, you can't have your fifth pop- popsicle. You have to wait till after dinner. It's not just because I'm saying it's not. There's something else God knows about the growth of our souls and our heart and the capacity of our heart that there's something about waiting for, for God's promises and trusting his timing that's incredibly huge for us. So I don't want to discount the fact that we're talking about this stretching way beyond comfort, leaping, you know, big leaps of faith, you know, leaping tall buildings in a single bound or whatever. You know, these big leaps that we're thinking God's asking us to make. But I, let's be truth in advertising here. You take those steps. Absolutely down the road, somewhere there'll be emergence and, total, and, and beginnings of joy, abundance. But we just don't know when that down the road is, whether it's 24 years from now, 24 minutes from now, 200 years from now. And one of the things that God told, tells Abraham and I mentioned this last week, and I didn't include it on the screen. When Abraham's saying, I don't really, how's this going to happen? I don't have a son. And, and God says, no, you will have a son. And then through his descendants, well, they'll all be slaves for 400 years in Egypt. And then I'll get them out of there. Then you'll get the land that I promised you. And if I'm Abraham, I'm just like, can you repeat just what you just said? I'm like, I'm, like, I'm not going to see this. I mean, I know people don't live to be 400. And, he's, and God's like, no, you're going to have a son. Which still hasn't happened, God, just to remind you. But when you do, God says back, he'll have kids, and then his ancestors will all be taken slaves in Egypt for 400 years. They'll be mistreated. They really won't have a really good life for 400 years. That's going to be your inheritance. But then they're all going to get this back to the land, the promised land, modern-day Israel, and then they'll have the land I was going to get. And I'm Abraham, and I'm thinking, so why did I do this? And even if I'm Abraham, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not going to see any of this. So I'm just going to live life my way right now and make it work for me. I'm I'm taking control back. But why why Abraham is so trumpeted as as kind of the all-star of faith is that he still kept moving, having confidence that even what he wasn't going to see, 
the blessing to others that wasn't he wasn't going to be alive for. He was going to trust God that his movement now would have blessing and abundance with other people he would never see or talk to in this life. And talk about faith. I mean, who's, who's to say the things, decisions you make now that God maybe asks you to make, whether it's with your money, with a relationship, with a move, a job change, or whatever, that you really feel like God may be in it? Who's to say that the, that the beneficiaries of that decision will be people who will benefit from that after you are dead? And then we start thinking, well, can I get a little bit of that now? I mean, I... But there's... And I'm not saying God always does that. Some, there are times where God brings us... Again, I think this life we're meant to experience and live joy and abundance. I don't mean necessarily financial abundance, but abundance of life and abundance of joy. And that, I think, is ours. I don't think Abraham was joyless. But there was a promise that just wasn't happening. So joy, life, trust, confidence, fullness of life, that's ours now. And that's something we can expect from God. Maybe not the way we think it should happen, but other things that God puts way in the past or in the future that you're not quite sure about why you're making a decision now and you'd kind of like to know how the story ends before you make the decision. But then God puts you in this incredible wait time. And, um, and you're maybe going to lose heart, maybe you're losing hope, and this is where I think the Bible always brings us back to Abraham. Remember Abraham. Because the history of the world was changed because of Abraham. The history of the world was changed because Abraham listened to God, and the Bible says, and God credited to him as righteousness. That Abraham was like, he is, God, God says of Abraham, he's the man. When you walk into the Faith Hall of Fame, one of the first busts you'll see is Abraham. Not because he's superhero, because he was one of us that did what God asked him to do. And then the Bible says, for those of us who are children of Abraham, children of Abraham are those who will do what Abraham did. Even though you don't know how the story's going to end, even though you don't know how to control it, even though you may have to wait, but you're confident when God says leap, move, jump, whatever, you do that. And you're confident that it will bring goodness and blessing and abundance and joy to some measure to you now, but also to others you may never see. But we're doing that because we believe God's whole mission is to redeem the world, change the culture, change Bloomington, change your neighborhood. And it's steps like that through people like you and me who see that happen. Finish up with this. Um, Romans, this is, jump to the New Testament, Paul's writing. And again, if you just look at the name Abraham in the New Testament, he's all over the place. But Paul says this, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. My guess is there are some of you right now who say, yeah, there's no reason for hope. There's no human rational reason for hoping what I'm hoping for now. So in that sense, Abraham, he's, he's with you. He understands you. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. That's when God pointed to the stars and the sand of the seashore. Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. In the next chapter in Romans Paul kind of continues, he says, therefore, since we have been made right with God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us, so we can rejoice too. Kind of, we, like Abraham, can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. 
For we know that they help us develop endurance, and endurance develops strength of character. Character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us, because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That the Holy Spirit, because of the death, the resurrection of Jesus, and the giving now of his Spirit, we now are not on this leap of faith, step out in faith journey alone. But we have the presence of God in us in ways that are hard to get. You know, it's the invisible world, but the presence of Jesus is with us when we make those steps and those strides. The love of God is with us, and that becomes the sustaining power of why we keep moving in those directions, because we experience the love of God. That's something that is not an in-the-future reality. It's a right now you experience the love of God. So if you're looking for a leap and want to know what it looks like after the leap, look at Abraham. If, you're in the, if you've already leapt and you're losing hope, follow the example of Abraham, who then, in essence was following the example of Jesus, who then opened the way for us to be these kind of people. Um, here's what we're going to do. We, we finish it. Exodus every Sunday. I don't want to say finish, culminate, maybe it's a better word, with communion. Because we believe that uh, the centrality of the service is Jesus. The centrality of the service is not morality or being good people, but it's uh, new life because of Jesus. And Jesus said because of his blood and body shed and given for us that he opened up a, a new and living way, that we can be now those kind of people who take those leaps with confidence and with hope. So what we do at Exodus is we do this. Uh, Luke's looking up in a second, and he's going to lead us in a few more songs. As we're singing, you're invited to take communion. Anybody's welcome. Anybody's welcome who would say, uh, I want to be, I am a follower of Jesus unconditionally. Not, not perfectly, but you're saying to God, I'm not blocking. So if you're in, I've said this before, if you're in some kind of persistent kind of habit where you're giving God the straight arm and you don't intend to stop, then do yourself, uh, do yourself a spiritual favor and just remain seated. Nobody's going to notice. We're not going to try to check. You know, people might just, you know, so don't worry. Nobody checks or notices or asks or things like that. But this is for anybody who says, you know, I, I, I know I need more of the power in the life of Jesus because I want to be the kind of person who will leave whatever God asked me to leave behind to become the person who gives blessing to others, all right? While, while we're singing, you'll, they'll come up. There'll be people here offering the bread, and you ask you to tear off a piece, offer you the cup, dip it in the cup. Don't try to drink it. Most people take it here. Some people take it back to their seat and eat it back there. You can do whatever. Uh, something else we're going to do during that first song. This is something I kind of felt a stirring of this week, and it's been a stirring I've sensed for a while, but it just was confirmed. <clears throat> and this is a step for me and a risk for me a little bit. But um, there are couples here who have desperately wanted to have children and have been unable to. And the opening psalm that we read about single, barren woman was about the country. But there are some couples here that that was deep, maybe even a deeply painful thing even to read. And um, not out of magic, not out of goofiness, but I want to ask during the first song for those couples, if that's you, and you just feel like, you know, we're losing hope or we're on the verge of that, we don't know. I'm going to ask you to come up here to the front side and... Um, I'm going to ask if the other directional team guys would just come up and we'd pray for them. Pray that God would bring life to the womb of the wife, bring life to the seed of the husband, whatever needs to happen. 
in confidence, not in cockiness, not in hocus-pocusness, but in confidence that God hears our prayers. All right? Um, so if that's you, no shame, no embarrassment. Um, I just ask you during the first song to come on up to the front over here um, for just prayer. Why we're singing, we're not going to... Uh, put you in the spotlight or anything like that, but I just feel like that's something we need to do because that's, again, that's a step of faith, a leap of faith that a lot of you have made. I mean, and also I'll tell this, I'm not going to say who it is. Some of you know this person. There's a couple here that haven't had, they don't have kids. They're so confident in God's promise, they set up a nursery in their home. And, and I know sometimes they feel maybe a little bit of when visitors come to their house, they must feel like, what's that there for? Oh, we're, we're confident God's going to give us a baby. Oh, really? So you understand, any step of faith, any leap you make, you're going to have that potential of eh, spiritualized contempt from people like, okay, I guess they believe. So I'm just saying we all understand the tension of those kind of leaps of faith, but none, none like the leaps of God's asking you to make. So Lucas, why don't you come up here? I'm going to pray. As soon as we start the song, if those couples would come over here. And I, if this is your first time at Exodus and that's you as a married couple, you're welcome, I heard, for us to pray for you. All right? So let me uh, pray, and then we'll uh, get going. God, we, uh, we are confident that when you're behind something, when you're behind a leap, a step, a stretch, um, we're confident that you fulfill those promises. And you don't forget about us. You don't, um, you don't have any kind of amnesia issues. But we also are confident that there's times you ask us to ask for things. Just like Abraham said, but God, I don't have a son. What's going on? In this case, we're going to ask for these couples, but there's others here that have other things they would just like to ask, ask you for. Like, God, why haven't you intervened yet? Why, have, why haven't you fulfilled that promise? And God, would you all give us that kind of boldness with you to ask you, to kind of get your attention again? Because we know you want to fill your promises to us, but some weird way, we know you still want us to ask. So we do that today in confidence that when we take these leaps and steps, um, that you want to see us become people of life. So we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.